would you describe yourself? Child molester, rapist, and killer. It became so much part of me there wasn't room for anything else. Disclaimer. In this story, we will be discussing the child molestation of many children and the murder of three young boys. This story also includes excerpts from a diary of depraved fantasies that this predator wrote that are difficult to hear. This chapter may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you are sensitive to this topic. Hey guys, my story this week is one that's haunted me since the day I heard about it, which was um, probably back in 1989-1990. It was fairly close to when the events happened. I followed the case closely and uh, I'm going to cover it today. Wesley Allen Dodd grew up in Washington, the oldest of three children in an unhappy home. Dodd and his younger sister both told the court that they were raised in a family without love, though it's not clear if this troubled upbringing contributed to his later crimes. It's obvious that Dodd started molesting children at a very early age. So, like, when he was a kid, he was touching other kids, or? Mm Mm-hmm. I get into it right away here. Like, when he was 13, um, he actually began exposing himself to children uh, just through his bedroom window. But so, he younger than him? Yeah. Well, kids just walking by. So he'd be standing in his room. Okay. Standing at his bedroom window with the curtains open. And kids would walk by and he would expose himself to them. Weird. And it, by the time he was 14, he started molesting two of his younger cousins who were just six and eight years old. Ah, oh, horrible. So yeah, though he was uh, he was caught and ordered to attend counseling sessions for these molestations, um, he didn't stop there. Throughout his teenage years, he offered to babysit neighborhood children and molested them as they slept. He was arrested on several occasions, but each time he received only a slap on the wrist when he promised he would seek treatment. What? Yeah, all through his teenage years, starting at the age of 13 and 14 years old prime example of like catching it early and making sure it doesn't grow into something bad Mm -hmm. but if they sent them to counseling and they involve the police and stuff it's very confusing like what else Mm. can you do nothing yeah well watch them i guess that's just it nothing ever stuck with him yeah um so in 1981 soon after he finished high school a wesley allen dodd enlisted in the u.s navy but he was discharged after he was accused of offering money to young boys in exchange for sex on on the base. But the Navy failed to file any criminal charges. In the following years, he was arrested on at least three occasions for molesting or attempting to molest children. In 1984, Dodd was convicted of sexually abusing a nine-year-old boy, but the judge in that case commuted his 10-year sentence to just four months if he promised to attend counseling. That is so weird. And he like, did he molest girls and boys or just boys? Mainly boys, but he 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 was a predator of opportunity. Okay. So if a girl was there, he would molest a girl. Is this America? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Didn't I say uh, Washington? Very well, could have done. Yeah. Washington State. So basically, just over our BC border. Okay. Seattle area. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Canada because it was just making me think mm. of my case where like it's like 
the justice system doesn't. I think both countries are seriously lacking in punishment when it comes to child predators. predators. It's so true. Mm -hmm. And I won't stop talking about it. Every single chapter we do that includes that, that's where my brain goes. And I'll talk about it every single time. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, the court ordered counseling never had any effect on his compulsion to harm children. He later wrote in a court affidavit, Each time I ended treatment, I continued to molest children. I liked molesting children and did what I had to to avoid jail so I could continue molesting. And I think that's one of the things that haunts me about Wesley Allen Dodd is that he was so obvious about it and talky about it. Yeah. (laughs) He talked to, he was interviewed so many times and he was so candid in his interviews. It was disturbing and eye-opening back then for parents and law enforcement even like we'll get into it but all of the horrific things he did he did do one thing that I personally think was pretty pretty decent of him before he died not to be confused with noble that's right not to be confused with noble or but any kind of forgiveness but at least he did this one thing that that really I think helped and thankfully his name is not attached to any kind of good that came of that he did um but he really did um he really did do and i don't even know how to put this he did do something that didn't pay back didn't didn't give back or anything like that but he did something to try to make make it a better place I think he was self-hating to the point where he was okay with dying eventually because he knew that, like, he wanted to continue to do it. And I think he accepted his fate. And I think that because he was also self-aware, that's the only reason why they were able to pick his brain Mm -hmm. and get the information that they did. Mm -hmm. It's just because he was evil, but he was self-awarely evil. Yeah, and by 1989, uh, he started keeping a diary. And the sickening diary had become a place where he plotted out his greatest fantasies. And, I mean, the things that he wrote are every parent's worst nightmare. He planned rapes and murders. He sketched blueprints for a torture rack that he wanted to build and detailed the atrocious pact he claimed to have made with Satan. I'll say now, in case I forget to mention it later, the police actually found this torture rack in Wesley's apartment, though he did not get an opportunity to use it. He was arrested before he could actually. So it was built, it just wasn't used yet? That's right. Like he committed his third murder and then he built this torture wow. rack. He wrote about it in his diary. The police found that torture rack ready to go uh-huh. in his apartment after he'd been arrested. And what did you say just before that? Because I think I had a question. Uh, he made a pact with Satan. He made a pact with Satan. Was he admittedly? He wasn't like Richard Ramirez. He wasn't like a Satanist or a Satan worshiper. Um, These are things that that he just wrote in his diary. The one entry in Dodd's diary actually read, I now ask Satan to provide me with a six to ten year old boy to make love to, play with, photograph, kill, and do my exploratory surgeries on. What the fuck but what did he do what does that mean we'll get into it but that is 
And I like I, I really hate to say it. And that's why I put that in the disclaimer about this diary. It is the most twisted, horrific, depraved thing I've ever read in my life. And I have read some filth. Yeah. I have read some twisted minds. That diary haunts me. And this that I just read about his pact with Satan is the least of it. Is the least of it. Well, I honestly feel like he did have some kind of belief about Satan then. If this is, if that's the stuff that he was saying. Yeah. I'm just saying he wasn't like Richard Ramirez, you know, sporting pentagrams on his palms and stuff and hail Satan. He didn't do anything like that. This is stuff that he wrote in his diary. It's just, I mean, I guess that's just the most like mentally ill thing that I've heard thus far Hmm. about him. So it's like. Like not disturbing. Like yeah, he does sick things. But oh, okay, you think you're talking to Satan? Okay, like you're crazy. <laughs> but totally get into it because I'm sure it's gonna get so much worse. Okay. So much worse. Mm. On September third, nineteen eighty nine, Dodd wrote of a plan to kidnap and kill a child from David Douglas Park in Vancouver, Washington. He wrote in his diary, "Quote: If I can get it home." I'll have more time for various types of rape rather than just one quickie before murder, end quote. So the very next evening, uh, Wesley hid in the bushes along a path in the park and waited for a victim. He couldn't find a child who was walking alone, but he spotted Cole and Billy Near, who were 11 and 10 years old. Wesley convinced them to follow him off the path and into the woods where he tied them up with shoelaces and sexually abused them. Um, He talked about this in one of his many, many interviews and interrogations that were released over the years. Um, So let's listen to that now. He said, okay, just one more thing I want you to do. Um, One of the boys said, what? I'm not sure which one. I reached down, pulled the knife out real quick and stabbed Billy. Um, Got him a hank in the stomach. I'm not real sure. So obviously it was like almost like a game to him in a way. Just the way that he like phrased that. Mm -hmm. Very sadistic. He was almost like he was toying with them. He he fully enjoyed the murder as well. Yeah. Is what I gather from that. And he wasn't sure how he would feel about the murder. But he does go on to say that he started fantasizing more about the killing and less about the molestation. Even though they were both equally important to him. But the killing actually gave him more of a rush at that point. It was even better. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. So less than 15 minutes after Dodd had stabbed the boys, a teenage hiker found their bodies. Um, I believe Cole was dead on site, but Billy was rushed to a hospital, but he did succumb to his injuries shortly thereafter. Sad. Mm -hmm. So over the next two months, Dodd filled a scrapbook with newspaper clippings about the boys' murders. On October 29th, he struck again. On that day, he drove to nearby Portland, Oregon, and abducted four-year-old Lee Isley from a playground. He took him back to his apartment, where he molested him multiple times while photographing him nude. Later that evening, Dodd took young Lee to McDonald's and a Kmart, bought him a toy, and then returned home to continue sexually abusing him. The little boy finally fell asleep, and Dodd again wrote in his diary, I'm going to recount the diary entry for Lee's captivity here. Warning, again, this is probably the most graphic thing I will ever read on this podcast. So you can skip ahead 
a few minutes. Also, like maybe this just isn't the chapter for you if you can't continue. I don't blame you at all. I wish that I could skip forward a couple minutes. <laughs> Either way. So in his diary, Dodd wrote, I went up to the little boy and asked him if he wanted to have some fun and make some money. He seemed unsure but not scared. I said, come on, this will be fun, and reached out my hand. He took it and walked to the end of the building with me. We got out of sight of the other kids, and I told him as we kept walking, hand in hand, we're going to get in my car. He said, I don't want any money. And I picked him up and said, we're still going. Let's go ask your dad if you can go with me. How old again? Lee? Yeah. He was four. Four years old. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, continue. So he said, I don't want any money. And so I picked him up and said, we're still going. Let's go ask your dad if you can go with me. Oh my God. We got in my car. I put him in the driver's side. As we drove away, he said, I live the other way. And I said, we're going to my house and play some games. Just do what I tell you, and I promise I won't hurt you. I don't think I want to hear this. Um, he time stamps his entries throughout Lee's captivity. So at 12.50 p.m., Dodd wrote, A couple of blocks from the school, I asked, and he said his name was Lee, and he was four years old. He started to cry a couple of times, but I reached out and held his hand, assuring him he'd be okay and that we were just going to have some fun. 1.30 p.m. We got to my house at 1.30 p.m. Both the landlady and the other tenant were gone. Perfect. I started to carry him from the car, but he said I can walk, and I put him down. 1.32 p.m. Put Polaroid film into the camera and took his picture as I found him. 1.33 p.m. Showed him my nude photo book. 1.36 p.m. Told him twice to take clothes off speaking in a calm, quiet voice, pulling off one of his shoes the second time. As I finished taking off his shoes and socks, he pulled off his jacket and shirt, and I watched as he took off his pants and underwear in the same movement. 1.42 p.m. Immediately, I had him lay on his back and took photos, number two, untouched. 1.44 p.m. Untouched. 1.48 p.m. After two minutes oral in attempt to gain erection, 1.52 p.m. 1.56 p.m. After three minutes of oral in bed, both naked for foreplay. 2.05 to 2.25 p.m. Sex. Lee is happy and cheerful. I let him put his clothes back on at 2.30 p.m. Watched Yogi Bear at 3 p.m. 4.02 p.m. Lee wanted to open briefcase. Back to pictures. Put pictures of him in photo book. 4.10 p.m. Decided to spend the night with me if I buy him a toy and go out for a burger. We did. 5.35 p.m. Returned home. He played with Robocop. 6.38 p.m. Lee's still playing. We'll probably wait till morning to kill him. He suspects nothing now, and that way his body will still be fairly fresh for experiments after work. I'll suffocate him in his sleep when I wake up for work, if I sleep. 6.40 p.m. Lee spilled hot coffee on him. I let him wear one of my shirts. It made his chest red. 7 p.m. Started crying because his dad and brother miss him. I was able to quickly quiet him. 7.48 p.m. Lee wanted to look at pictures again. He thumbed through the album and kept looking up at me. 
8.05 p.m. I peeked through the crack in a door as he was taking a shit. 9 p.m. Wants to look at my pictures one more time. He wants to see his nude photos, but doesn't want to do any more. Little does he know that in about 20 hours, I'll take photos of a dead four-year-old naked boy. 9.35 p.m. Bed. Asleep. 9.45 p.m. Had him nude by 10. Me also. 10.45 p.m. Have played with a little and felt out his surgery will be very delicate. 11 p.m. Watch news and trying to decide best way of killing him. He'll either be choked, strangled, or suffocated. I don't want to leave marks on his neck, but it must be quick and quiet. His body will be hidden in closet behind sleeping bag while I'm at work. Want 11 p.m. news as this will be the first news broadcast since he disappeared. Okay, news says he disappeared from a store, not where I got him at school. Monday, October 30th, 1989. Didn't sleep at all. Dodd goes on to describe graphic sexual abuse. 2 a.m. He woke up. Didn't seem to mind being nude. I pulled him up on top of me, his belly to mine. He slept on top of me for half hour as I rubbed his back and butt. 2.45 a.m. He woke up and Dodd molested him before he fell back asleep. Obviously, I am editing myself here. 3.15 a.m. I said, I'm going to kill you in the morning. And he said, no, you're not. I said I wouldn't before he started crying too loudly. At 4.20 a.m., Dodd abused Lee more. There's other graphic descriptions in here, but I'm going to jump to 5.30 a.m., where Dodd wrote, crawled over him, him on his back, me on his left side, leaning into him. My body pinned his right arm under pillow and his head holding his left wrist up by pillow. Thus totally pinning, I choked him with my right hand. Dodd goes on to describe how he murdered little Lee and described how he used his hand and a rope to strangle him. As we're doing this, I am cutting out. I'm cutting out the more graphic descriptions. Um just because it's Blah. I can I can read it to myself, but I can't say it. And it I don't think people wanna hear it hear it either. And those few people who do want to know just go and you know Well I've got I've got the diary link and I will put it in the show notes. So you just click on it if you want to read it, even as you're listening. That's totally up to you guys. I personally don't even want to read it. And I thought that I didn't have any boundaries mm-hmm. or limits. You know, like I listen to other podcasts and I'm like So desensitized. Yeah. I'm like, they don't go into it. They get so um grossed out so yeah. quickly. But no, this this is even like too far for me. This is next level. So Dodd ended up um with the rope that was around the little boy's neck. He hung him up in the closet and took photos of him before hiding him behind laundry in the closet so that he could go to work. Um, He he then cut the rope and laid him on the bed. Um, He did a few horrible things to him and checked for a heartbeat. Um, But then he put him, like I said, on the shelf in the closet behind some blankets and a sleeping bag uh, with the intention of doing more after work. 
it's just so weird that he kept such a descriptive specific Mm -hmm. diary it's so bizarre so the following day at 5.05 p.m dodd wrote oh yeah i knew for sure this morning he was dead i'd heard of muscles relaxing and it's normal to go potty after dying he peed on me twice as i hid his body in the closet and once more on the shelf in the closet oh my god oh you cannot read the next one no oh my god Oh my god. That's fucked. Haunts me. That is so fucked. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Because you started, okay, you started paraphrasing a bit because obviously it's getting really gross. So I just pulled up the drive to see... I just pulled it up for myself to see and I just I just found where you were in this timeline and the next is 5:10 p.m. I'm not going to read the whole thing but he is rather gross looking cold stiff and purple it's I'm not saying it it's but beyond. he then says that he's he was going to try to sexually rape assault. him he was going to try to rape him but now he's not sure if he could even if he wanted to it's a little boy, so you can kind of figure out what that is, but that is so sick. That is like one of the fucking most morbid, sick, gruesome things I've ever read. And I think I fought tears for like a solid five seconds. That is fucked. Yeah. It's... That is so gross. And Did you read 6 p.m.? I'm scared to 6 p.m.? Mm-hmm. No, I'm, do you mean 5.16 p.m.? No. Oh. He put photos in his diary? Uh, he had a little photo album, but he drew pictures in his diary. Yeah. But he says, see photos number eight and number nine. Yeah, oh, he numbered all of the photos in his photo album. We'll now try to loosen him up a little as well as get his body temperature via his... Just a rectal thermometer. Why? Experiments. Releases. <gasps> oh! Erection. Fro- See photo number 10. How stiff dead little boys are. This is after I loosened up his legs. <gasps> so he did try. I'm going to skip ahead to 6.50 p.m. Um, Bree just spent some time reading over the diary that I decided to skip over. Um, just, yeah, no, okay, so, but as a recap, he did things to the little boy's body, really, really horrible things, really, really bad things, and really, 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 really bad things, really bad. And then he wrote about it in disgusting detail, and we're skipping ahead, but wow! if you can handle it, go read it and you'll understand. If you think I'm being dramatic, I'm not. That is some messed up. That is messed up. And I know people. Who raised him? Hmm. Did she live? Who is she? This case haunts me. 
And Who is she? That is saying something for me. It haunts me. So it's 6.50 p.m. Now wearing gloves after I showered to handle trash bags to put Lee in. Will now go dump his naked body. 8 p.m. Home. Dumped 7.35 p.m. on 10 to 30. Tuesday, October 31st, 1989. 5.32 p.m. Just saw a photo on the news of person seen talking to Lee at the school. Looks a lot like me. 6 o'clock news added. Blue baseball cap and person of interest may have had a German shepherd with him and was either driving or dropped off by a white pickup truck. FBI is entering info into their files. I'll be watching the news carefully for about a month now, as well as staying out of sight. 6.40 p.m. Burned his socks, shirt, sweater, and pants. Will keep his underwear as a souvenir. Will throw away his shoes tomorrow at a convenience store. Wednesday, November 1st, 1989, 4.40 p.m. Washed his underwear in shower when I took it. They smelt like pee. Thursday, November 2nd, 1989, 5 p.m. News said drawing of man seen was discarded as he was seen leaving without Lee. I feel... I feel emotionally unstable. Over this one? Over this one. Me too. Like, genuinely sick to my stomach it's terrible absolutely moved i feel uncomfortable in my own skin haunts me and i like i might throw up like this is fucked up what the fuck bro (laughs) the diary part is almost over if that helps you yeah 7 55 p.m cut his shoes into four parts and divided into sacks and burnt it all along with newspapers that were missing articles about him So Wesley kept Lee's tiny Ghostbusters underwear in the briefcase beneath his bed along with the photos he'd taken. Though Lee's little body was soon discovered, sparking a manhunt for the killer, Dodd remained under the radar. He may have gotten away with it all three murders if he hadn't tried again. Just two weeks after killing Lee, Wesley walked into a movie theater in Washington for a showing of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Dodd wasn't there to watch the movie, though. As the lights dimmed, he scanned the dark room for his next victim. When he saw six-year-old James Kirk walking to the restroom alone, he quickly followed him. In the bathroom, Dodd picked the boy up, threw him over his shoulder, and tried to leave the building. But James put up a fight. He was screaming and hitting Wesley and drawing in witnesses. So Dodd released James, ran to his yellow Ford Pinto, and attempted to flee the scene. James's mother's boyfriend, William Ray Graves, had heard James cry and ran after Dodd. And as fate would have it, Dodd's car broke down just a few blocks away and Graves quickly caught up with him. Oh, he didn't give up. He was like, I don't care if you're in a car. I'm going to catch you, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He chased him down. Good. Graves later recalled, I whipped him around and put a chokehold on him and said he was detained and that we were going to call the cops. I told him if you try to get away, I will snap your neck. Another scenario of fuck around and find out. Yeah. And actually, as he approached uh, Dodd, like Dodd was trying to get his car started. And as he approached, he did it very calmly and pretended like he was just offering him help with his car. So Dodd agreed to let him help him. And that's when he grabbed him and put him in a chokehold. So good for this guy. What a hero. Like he like a hero, a hero, an angry hero. Mm. 
Graves the then physically kind. hauled Dodd back into the theater where other witnesses bound Dodd's arms with a belt and they made him sit there and wait for police to arrive. Once in custody, Wesley eventually confessed to murdering Lee, Billy, and Cole near. And while police searched his home, they found the photographs of Lee, his Ghostbusters underwear, and that freaking diary. They even found that torture rack that he'd started to build, and the diary is extremely disturbing. Like I said, it's going to be in the show notes if anyone wants to read it, but serious warning, it is the most depraved, horrific, graphic description of child abuse that you can imagine, and it never leaves you. I read it when I was quite young, and it has haunted me. So Wesley Allen Dodd's disturbing crimes had finally come to light, and oddly enough, it was Dodd himself who insisted that he deserved the death penalty for his actions. In court, Wesley refused to speak in his own defense, claiming it was pointless. He requested instead that he be executed by hanging, the same way Lee had died. He stated that he hoped it would bring peace to the victim's families. Dodd seemingly understood that the legal system had failed to stop him too many times before. He was confident that if he were to be released, he would remain a danger to children. He said in a court brief, I must be executed before I have the opportunity to escape or kill someone else. If I do escape, I promise you I will kill and rape again, and I will enjoy every minute of it. In the end, Dodd got his wish. He was hanged on January 5th, 1993, uh, which was the first judicial hanging in the United States since 1965. Wesley Allen Dodd's final words were, I was asked by somebody, I don't remember who, if there was any way sex offenders could be stopped. I said no. I was wrong. I said there is no hope, no peace, there is peace, there is hope. I found both in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now before his death, Dodd created a pamphlet that explained how he thinks parents could protect their children from other predators like him. The brochure is called When You Meet a Stranger and starts out by saying, My name is Wes, and I am the stranger you should stay away from. Wow. It also includes the following advice, written by Dodd. Just say no. I met a boy at the park. I told him to pull down his pants. He said no. I told him he couldn't leave until he did. He said no again. I made him promise not to tell anyone what happened, and let him go. He didn't pull his pants down. Run. Another boy said no. Then, before I could make it to him and do what I wanted, he ran away. I ran away too, except I went the other way. Scream, yell. I met another boy. He said no and tried to get away from me, but I picked him up and started to carry him away. He knew he couldn't get away, but he still didn't give up. He started screaming and yelled, Someone help me. He's killing me. He kept screaming and yelling. I was afraid someone would hear him, so I let him go and ran away. Sometimes it's not a stranger. Remember, the stranger can be a man or a woman, but sometimes the person that wants to do bad things is someone you know. It could be a teacher, a friend, aunt, or uncle. It could be the babysitter or your neighbor. It could be anyone. Whoever it is, tell them no. Then tell someone as soon as you can. Get away. Call 911. Is it too late? If it did happen to you or someone you know, please tell someone. Tell your mom or dad or your teacher. Tell anyone you trust. 
even if the person said he'd hurt you or someone you know if you tell. Tell on him anyway. You can still be a hero by telling the truth. Just remember, just say no, run, scream, yell, get away, tell someone, be a hero. I hope he burns in the hottest ring of hell. So keep in mind here that Wesley Allen Dodd did not want to appeal a sentence. He was only on death row for close to four years. Uh, I do think he wrote this pamphlet to leave something good behind. Not that it takes away from what he did. Uh, throughout his diary entries, you can tell that he did have some kind of a conscience or some empathy. Um, I don't know what to think uh, about that. Do you think he repented enough before his execution? Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm... I'm thankful as a parent that he spoke to law enforcement as much as he did and that they were able to glean as much um, knowledge and information from this monster as they did before he was hanged. I'm also thankful that he did not appeal his sentence. Yeah. Um, he did not waste taxpayers' money or our time and emotions sitting on death row for decades like every other serial killer out there does. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. These do not make for redeeming qualities in any sense, but it's the complete contrast. The brochure this man wrote to the diary that he wrote. To me, it might just portray just wanting attention and like thinking he was creative. I think he thought he was like a cre creative, like intelligent person and maybe i'm not maybe i see it differently because i've watched so many videos and interviews and i was a you know a teenager when this was actually going on and followed the case and i i feel like maybe i think too much into it to not have any sympathy for him but to wonder where it's coming from yeah i just i look at you know his diary i look at his deeds and think he is the worst monster that's ever roamed the earth. However, he left behind information that could possibly identify and stop and help parents keep their kids safe. I think that's just like Satan with like a Jesus mask on. That's the only thing, like just because he was referencing Satan and then he referenced jesus christ at the end like that's why it makes me think that he was an evil person trying to like cover what he did with this mask of like creative sadistic psychopath thoughts and like i truly think that we are fully fucking capable of coming up with run away scream say no we we can do that all on our own right and we can but teach our kids of it the worst perpetrator has been him so it doesn't matter that it came from him to protect from only fucking him everybody else like like we would have gotten to the point that we are at with or without him making that. He left nothing behind except for a disgusting streak. Like a 
piece of shit who thought that he was doing something good before he went. And I wish that he left not even thinking that he did anything good. And I really hope nobody, like, I hope no one gave him the, the notion that he was doing a good thing before he went. The FBI can create that pamphlet better than he could ever. Those are not, it's not, his diary maybe really showed how fucking sick people can be, but everything in that pamphlet, yeah, I gathered. Teach your kid to say no. Scream, yell, and tell someone. I think we all know that. Back then, though, it was all about stranger danger. Same thing. Totally. The same amount of things are happening nowadays. He didn't change anything. He didn't help anything. He should have just kept his mouth shut once he got caught. And... And, I mean, he didn't. I know. You search it, and there are so many interviews. So I'm going to close the book on this one um, for good. I'm shook this time. Like I said, I've never actually tried to read that diary out loud. Um... And it was uh, it was a mistake. Lesson learned. It was impossible. <laughs> Go read it if you want to read it, but I, I cannot actually read it aloud. I don't blame you. And I mean, thank you to the listeners that made it this far. And if you didn't, you're not here. But you know what? I totally get it again. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it will help our show grow. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube at True Crime Story Podcast where the discussion can continue. If you wish to contact us, you may do so via email at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree. And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Uh-huh.